If I could just draw your attention back. Our kids have gone down to our activities. It's uh, a real privilege um, to sort of speak this morning, um, I think. I think. What happens next? What happens next? Oh, what happens next? Phil, can you help me with this? Can you help me with what happens next? I know what happens next. Okay. It's a, it's a wonderful link. Yes, it's a wonderful link, spoilt by my bad use of microphones, <laughs> <laughs> to get us into a, uh, a short game called What Happens Next. So, lovely Joel up there. Give us a wave, Joel. Hi, Joel. Love Joel. He's got video. And do you remember um, uh, You've Been Framed? Yeah, and before it goes into the adverts, they'd play a bit of a clip, and you'd have to try and guess what happens next. So, we're going to play a game of What Happens Next. Okay, so, Joel, hopefully the video will come up now. Okay. Oh, pause, pause, pause. He has pause. Wonderful. Right. Okay. Now, given anything could happen, what, what do you think happens next, Matt? What you... um, that little number 15 is going to butt the butt of the other one. I go with them. Yeah. I go. What do you think? Uh, they, 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 they. I just... Anyone got any ideas? Yeah. I think the mum might poo on her baby. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Any other idea? The mum's going to kick the little ones. Okay, so you've got poo on the head, kick, butt. They're going to be end up on someone's dinner plate with mint sauce because oh. it's Easter. Well, you, you, that, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I, did, yeah, yeah, I did hear that this lamb did not get killed ever. So just say that. Okay, why, why, do we, why do we play the video and see what happens? Well done. Well done over there. One point. Excellent. Okay, next one. What's coming up next? There should be another one coming up here. Oh, nice golf shot. Oh, and we paused. Can you pause also? There's, there's like a freeze frame. Okay, what do you think happens? Anyone got any ideas? Golfers? Go on, Adam. What do you think happens? Ball hit someone. Ball hit someone. Yeah. Anyone else want to have a go, a guess? Hold in one. You reckon a hole in one? Anyone up there? In, a, in the pond. All right, that's good. We've got three options. Let's see what happens. Well done, Raph. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful, very good. Next one's coming up now. What's this one? I can't remember. Oh, okay, here we go. Pause it, pause it. Right, so we've got a bus in an airport. Any ideas? What, have, you, have you seen this one, Daniel? Yeah, what do you think happens, Daniel? It's going to crash into a plane. Good guess. Sam, someone picks it up. Interesting. Huh, let me have a closer look at that video. Any other ideas? All right, let's play it. Ah! I bet you weren't expecting that. <laughs> it's a toy. 
<laughs> I love that one. Okay, last one. Here we go. So this is the last one. It'll pause in a minute. A little bit of... Oh, okay, a little bit of American culture. Jim, you, you've watched a bit of baseball, I'm sure. What do you think happens? Any ideas? What, he punches the uh, mascot? So, punches the mascot. Good answer. Security guard dance off. Security guard dances. Anyone else? Got any? Oh, yeah, go on, Daniel. Break dancing. Okay, let's see. Let's have a look and see. That, that was the pause. Just let it play. And that was where I was going to pause it. Very good. Waffle segue. What happens next into Jem's preach about what happens next? <laughs> no, I couldn't. I could never outdo that, could I? I'd never outdo that. But what happens next? There's a lot in the story, the Easter story, that happens next after we've we've been singing about Jesus being on the cross after he's performed miracles and he's dying on the cross. But it doesn't just stop there. Something happens. Which we look back on that and we know what happens. But I want to set this scene for what happens next in a way that hopefully draws into the story. But what happens next is an um, important question for all of us, isn't it? I don't know what you're, when, you, when you woke up this morning, you were thinking about what happens next. Maybe you're thinking as far ahead as the roast lamb, which obviously I was. The dinner that I might be having after the service, that's what might have been happening next for you. But for some of us who've maybe suffered loss and grief and lost people, we're grieving for someone, what happens next? How do I live as a person? What happens next now they're not with me? What happens next to the things that we sort of had planned together? What happens next is an important question. For some of us who are fearful about the cost of living rises, what happens next is important, isn't it? What happens next to our finances? What happens next time I go to the supermarket? What happens next time I fill up my car? Is it going to be even more expensive? We can get caught in a cycle of fear about what will happen next. And obviously there's those who have maybe lost homes, been forced to leave their own country, go and live somewhere else, a place that is completely alien to them. What happens next is of a vital question to them, isn't it? Because some of them just maybe get stuck completely. And there is no future. Questions about what happens next are so, so important. 
And just as those questions are important to us, what happens next in the story of Jesus, in the story of his death and his crucifixion, what happens next is of significance in the set of scene. It's dark. It's a dark and stormy night. It's actually a dark morning. It's dark just before dawn. There's a little bit of light maybe on the horizon, but it's dark. It's early morning. And um, on the road, on a, on a dusty track leading towards a cemetery, there's a group of women. They're walking up there. They're walking up the track. It's dark. They're maybe just trying to find their way. They've maybe got a torch with them, but they've got a bag. They've got things in this bag, herbs and spices that they're taking with them because they're going to a tomb. They're heading there. They're this group of women together. Maybe they're talking about the events of the last couple of days. Maybe they've been remembering and reminding each other of their friend who had seemed to do no wrong, who was an amazing teacher. He was a healer. He was a really wonderful person. He'd drawn them into his group of followers and friends. He'd allowed them to be part of that, that group, despite who they were. Maybe they were talking about that. Maybe they were talking about what had happened just the day before, a couple of days before, when they were, they'd seen their friend hung on a cross. They'd seen him bleed out. They'd seen him give up his breath, as we heard about earlier. They'd seen him die on that cross, a place of execution. And maybe they were just talking with each other, but do, do you remember as we kept vigil at that cross, we saw this man come. He came and he took our friend down from the cross. He wrapped him in clothes, some fresh linen. Do you remember how we followed him? We followed him and we saw where he put our friend's body. That's where we're going, isn't it? That's where we're going this morning. That's where we're heading to. We're heading to that tomb where we saw this man put our friend. Because we need to finish the burial process. In the haste of, that, of, the, of the day before an amazing feast and celebration, we, we didn't have the opportunity to prepare his body properly for burial. So at the first opportunity, let's go. Come on. We know where the tomb is. And maybe they were talking to themselves about, well, yeah, we're going to get there. But do you remember what we saw? We saw them seal this tomb. It was a massive, heavy stone that was placed across it. And don't forget, there are guards there as well. So how, we, how, how, how are we going to get into the tomb? How are we going to move this stone so we can prepare our friend's body for burial? That's where they're heading on this dark morning. Heading to the tomb where they've seen their dead friend buried. And they were going to do the rituals they needed to do to prepare his body properly. And they were heading there on a dark morning. Let's move forward to maybe an hour or so later. One of these women, Mary Magdalene, who is a very close friend of Jesus, a friend she'd seen buried and died, she's sitting by a tomb, this very tomb that they'd gone to to prepare their friend's body, that very tomb. She's sitting outside. She's in floods of tears because... When her and the women got there, something astonishing had happened. 
There's lots of different accounts and eyewitnesses, and it gets all very confusing. But when they were there, these women saw something happen. They saw an earthquake or felt an earthquake. It says they saw something like blinding light. They maybe heard an angel speak to them and say, the body you're looking for is not here. It's gone. Jesus is risen. And some of the women had gone back, had left at that point. But Mary was still sitting outside the tomb in floods of tears. She went in and had a look. She didn't see the body there. But she saw two, what appeared to be angels, she thought, speak to her and say, the person you're looking for is not here. He's risen. But still, she just couldn't grasp hold of it. She hadn't seen the body. She was in floods of tears still, crying outside this tomb. And all of a sudden, a man appeared. And she, in her grief, she turned to this man and said, you, you must be the gardener. You must have moved his body. You must have taken it. What have you done with his body? Please tell me. Because I really want to go and I really want to mourn him and grieve him. And I want to prepare his body properly. That's why I've come with all these spices. Sure, if you're the gardener. Maybe you've taken his body. Please, please tell me where is his body? And this man says her name. He says, Mary. And all of a sudden, as she encounters Jesus risen from the dead, she sees who it is. Her eyes are opened, it says, and she says, Rabboni, or teacher. And she falls down and worships him. And Jesus says, don't cling to me. I've, get, I've, I've not yet gone to the Father. But please, go and tell my other followers that you see me alive. Go and tell them. And so she rushes off. And she says to other, others of Jesus' followers that she knows that she's been with for a while. She says, I've seen and met the risen Jesus. I've met him. He is alive. It's one scene very soon after they got to the tomb. But let's move to another part of the city. In the city of Jerusalem, there's a temple. There's offices there which are, are staffed and managed by the religious leaders, the chief priests of, the, of, of, of Israel's religion are ministering in the temple. They're there. And all of a sudden, burst in a group of Roman soldiers. Now, you would have thought that they might be quite fearful of these soldiers because they're the occupying force. But these soldiers come with an amazing story. And they are actually fearful. They come to the chief priests and say, you know where we were sent to guard that tomb? You put us there to make sure that that body never moved. Because we've been told, or you, and you told us that he, he claimed this person was going to rise again after three days. So you said, put a guard on the tomb. That was us. We were guarding it. But you know what happened while we were there? It was just something incredible. There was a massive earthquake. There was a blinding light. We were so afraid, we actually fainted. We passed away. And when we came to, the stone was moved from the, temp from the tomb, and the body had gone. We just don't know what to do. So we thought we'd come to you for advice. So the chief priests 
and the other elders got together and they said, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to communicate this? All our worst fears have come to happen. This body is gone. So they came back to the soldiers and they said to them, you know what, we'll give you a load of money, we'll bribe you, if all you say is that Jesus' followers came and took him away while you were there. And if you get into trouble with your commanding officer or the, 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 the ruler at the moment, if you get into trouble, we'll back your story up, we'll protect you. So don't be afraid about telling this story, about neglecting your duty, because we will back you up on this. So you don't need to be afraid. And they went away with this money in their hands and this story that they passed around to other people to say, oh, you know, you may have heard things, but this is what actually happened. Jesus' followers came and they took his body away. That's why it wasn't there. But let's move to a locked room a week later. And in this locked room, there are some of Jesus' followers. They're in a locked room because they've been afraid, fearful, because of what happened to their friend Jesus, the person they were following. He'd been arrested. He'd been tortured. Some of them had, well, most of them had run away and abandoned him. And they thought the same is going to happen to us. So they were in a locked room, very fearful. But there was a bit of a buzz in the room. Because the week before, the disciples had been together in a locked room, very similar. And all of a sudden, Jesus had appeared in the middle of them. The room was locked. How did that happen? Jesus came and he said, peace to us. But unfortunately, there was one guy, poor guy, not there, a man called Thomas. And so the disciples after that said, said to Thomas, look, you missed out last week. What, where were you? Why were you not with us last week? Because you know what happened? We saw the risen Jesus. He met with us. He spoke to us. And Thomas goes, no way, man. That's just practically and physically impossible. We saw him. We all saw the stories. We all heard what had happened to him. We heard he was buried. He was dead. No way. Absolutely no way. He says, you know what? Unless I see the wound in his hands and the wound in his side, I'm not going to believe you've told me. Even though all of you are telling me, I'm just not going to believe it until I see it for myself. And so they're there in this room, a locked room a week later, with Thomas this time. And there's this buzz and excitement. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears again in the locked room. And he comes to Thomas and he says, here are the wounds in my hands. Here is the wound in my side. Touch them if you want. You can put your fingers in them if you like. Just to prove and to show that it really is me and I am alive physically here. Not a vision. Not an apparition. Not a, not a spirit representation. But the physical risen me, he says. And so Thomas does that. He puts his fingers in the holes in his hands, puts his hand on the wound in his side, and he falls down and worships Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. His eyes were opened. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Lots of things that happened next after this group of women went to the tomb. Lots of things were going on across the city. Lots of different people were saying different things. There's lots of different accounts that we find in what we call the Gospels in the Bible, which talk about the life of Jesus. There's lots of different emphasis in each of the different accounts as to what happens next after Jesus dies and is buried. But there are two very clear things. One is, there's a tomb that's empty. Apart from some grave clothes, which were neatly folded. The tomb is empty. A tomb that had been sealed shut and guarded. There's no body there anymore. A person, the second thing is a person who had been executed and buried was physically alive. And not just through one or two different people, but he was meeting and talking with people. And we read in the Bible that this happened over a period of 40 days. That Jesus came, the risen Jesus, the one who had been buried, the one who had been executed and buried in a sealed tomb, was going around talking and meeting with people. And as he did so, people's lives were transformed. Mary, whose grief at the thought that the, her, her, the body of her friend had been stolen and taken away and she couldn't find it. Overwhelmed with loss and grief, met the risen Lord Jesus. And her life was turned around. She became a witness to that truth. She went and told the other disciples, the other followers. Because she'd met Jesus. It wasn't just something she'd heard. Because she'd heard that message probably from the angels. Jesus is risen. But she was still such in such grief at the loss of her friend that she couldn't see it. She couldn't believe it until Jesus came and spoke to her. Spoke to her in the middle of her grief and said her name. And she became a follower of Jesus, the risen Jesus. And she became a witness to that truth and went around telling others. Thomas he went from someone who was skeptical about what he'd been told. He didn't believe the testimony of all of the, his friends that he knew, the people he was with. You know, it wasn't just one person who'd spoken to him and said that they'd seen the risen Jesus. It was a whole group of them who'd been in the room together who had, who'd told him, but he still wouldn't believe it. Because quite naturally, it's like that's the most unnatural thing to happen, isn't it? That a dead body comes to life. It just doesn't happen. But Thomas went from this skeptical, un, untrusting, unbelieving person who'd heard maybe a bit about Jesus, had been following him a little bit, but didn't yet believe in the resurrection and believe in the significance of who Jesus was. And yet he encountered Jesus, the physical risen Jesus, the one who had wounds in his hands and wounds in his side. And it says he fell on knees. He became a worshiper of Jesus. His life was turned around from one of skepticism and cynicism to one of faith and love and worship. What happened next to him was amazing. He went from this skeptical person to this wonderful worshiper. But what about the soldiers? The soldiers were people who'd encountered something quite awesome. 
to the point that they were fear, afraid, and, and literally passed out, fell on their faces probably, fainted at, the, at the, the experience that they'd had. An incredible, powerful encounter of something. And yet, they were fearful of what might happen to them if they told the truth. So they were prepared to be bribed. And they were prepared to take a false story of what had happened. And they were prepared to take that message out and tell others that story. They were witnesses to something which was not true. Because they hadn't met the risen Jesus. They just trusted in the authorities that they'd gone to because they were fearful. So what happens next depends on where we meet Jesus. Do we believe the gospels that have been sent down to us? Do we believe the testimonies and witnesses that we have recorded? And do we need our eyes and hearts and minds opened by the Holy Spirit? What happened next for the disciples of Jesus after they've met the risen Jesus was that it says Jesus breathed on them. He breathed literally the Holy Spirit. He breathed his very presence into their lives. And he said, you will be my witnesses across the earth, in your families, in your cities, and beyond, because I'm going to go with you. I am present with you. The Holy Spirit comes and meets with us today. He opens our eyes to the truth of Jesus. We encounter and meet the risen Jesus through the Bible that we have, the scriptures that tell us he's raised from the dead. But we also meet and encounter the risen Jesus through his spirit, his very presence with us today. The open tomb, the empty tomb, opened up a whole new way of life for those who followed Jesus. What happened next for them was incredible. The empty tomb opens up new opportunities and new things for us to look into and explore if we've never heard about it before. The empty tomb and the risen Lord Jesus talks about a God who raised his son from the dead to vindicate him, to prove all that he said and did was true. And the Holy Spirit comes and meets with us today to bring those truths to life in our hearts. So what happens next for us? What happens next for you? Where are you in that story? Where are you in the characters that bear witness and testimony to what happened? I just want to read a quote. This was a reflection that I read the other morning. Um, This is from a professor of theology at... um, a Bible school in, in, in Lebanon. He, he said this as an Easter reflection. He says, The resurrection breaks everything open. I find in this a source of tremendous hope. God's life, God's new creation, and God's coming kingdom have broken into our closed and fallen reality. Yet when we look around, we do not easily perceive that anything like this is happening. If we are honest, The plight of the world often makes it feel like Easter never happened. But there is hope. 
The resurrection has potential to break everything open again and again. We need open scriptures. We need open eyes. We need open minds to perceive the world we live in through the lens of the open tomb. Perhaps I need to be more precise. We need opened scriptures, opened eyes, and opened minds. Easter itself is already opened up to Pentecost, which is another Jewish festival, which is when the Holy Spirit was going to come. As Jesus testifies, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. And that was the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit can give us the transformed eyes, minds, and hearts we need to understand the open tomb. Are we prepared to meet Jesus this morning? Are we prepared in whatever stage of life we're at to be open to the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and bringing these words, bringing these testimonies to life? Are we prepared to be like Mary and Thomas, to allow the Holy Spirit to come and meet us in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of our skepticism and disbelief? Are we prepared to have the Holy Spirit open our minds and hearts to this truth? Or are we a bit like the soldiers who are prepared not to listen, not to have open minds and hearts, and to go away and perpetuate the story that Jesus did not die and did not rise again? He's not the Son of God. Our family, friends, and city and world need people who are convinced of the truth about Jesus and to be witnesses of this truth. We need to be people who have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, Jesus' presence today, to transform us from fearful, skeptical individuals to a community of worshippers and witnesses to the truth that Jesus is alive and has the power to change lives to offer the truth about what could happen next in their lives through hearing about the empty tomb, the risen Jesus, and encountering the Holy Spirit today. And ask the band to come back up. Let's stand if you're able to this morning. The empty tomb. The risen Jesus confronts us and asks us the question, what happens next for you? What happens next? Are you going to go away and just ignore and just think, that was a nice story, it's a nice celebration, it's a nice time to get together as a family? Or is what happens next going to be like what happened next for Mary and for Thomas? You're going to become even greater worshippers of Jesus as you encounter the Holy Spirit. You'll become even more faithful and greater witnesses to the truth of an empty tomb and a risen Jesus. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. As we worship, as we sing, let's be expectant for the Holy Spirit to come and speak, to meet with us here. Don't be cynical. Don't be pushing away. Prepared for the Holy Spirit to come and open your mind, your heart.
to the wonderful presence of the risen Jesus this morning.